Hello and welcome to Season 4. It's a podcast that seeks to encourage and inspire you on your journey. Well, okay, we have our next guest and it is with a friend of mine from uh, Cinnamon Network who's also a friend and he is extraordinary. Uh, You know, when you meet somebody and you work with them on a fairly regular basis and then you sit down and you have a proper chat like we do today. And honestly, there's some wonderful and amazing surprises that come out of this discussion, which are incredibly encouraging. It talks about how we can deal with uh, our next phase, how we move from an old world to a new world. And um, as always, it's connected to our devotion and uh, it's a very lighthearted conversation and it's very practical. So anyway, uh, um, let's go straight into the devotion and then go straight into the chat. Right Foundations. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the Passion Translation, in chapter 6, verse 9, this is part 1, it reads, Pray like this, Our Father. Two words, loaded to the hilt. Not just mine, theirs or yours, ours. He's everyone's father, the creator, Lord of lords, which makes everyone related. Not them and us, it's a we. Now the word father can be problematic. We come with a preload of who a father is. Hardworking, absent, angry, abusive, kind, warm, generous, loving. Or is he a big bearded old man in white robes, living in the clouds with a booming voice, speaking in odd dialects? These images are echoes and reveal more about ourselves and our cultures, someone else's interpretation. And then we meet Philip. In the Gospel of John 14, 8-9, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, uh, that, that will be enough for us. And then Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And then we read this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. So as we get into unpacking the powerhouse of this prayer, think of the nature of the Father as Jesus. And as you do, the prayer becomes far more personal and wonderful. Amen. Okay, we are now with my next guest, and it is with a a very good friend of mine who's also a colleague, and uh, I see from time to time, I think I've seen him more on Zoom than I have done in person, which is hilarious, Um, and it's with Nick Amos. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thanks Matt, great to be here. Good to see you, my friend. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's Zoom Zoom is probably, we've seen more each of each other on Zoom than we have actually in person. I, I don't know how many times we've met, but probably not many. I, let's just think about this now. Um, right. Uh, I've been with Cinnamon for about three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, met then. We had... Um, we had another two events, then we had the mm-hmm. other one the other week. It's only four times. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. I know. Yeah, yeah. But on Zoom, oh my goodness. <laughs> so so many mads. <laughs> so many. <laughs> anyway, um, look, this is Nick Amos, who is um, a technical wizard, um, who is a church leader. He is an advisor. Uh, and uh, has a very famous dog, which um, no doubt you will tell the world about. Um, and so, look, why don't you tell the world a bit more about you? Because obviously that introduction was a bit naff. Um, 
tell us where you live, what you do, um, both with cinnamon, but also not the other stuff you do without cinnamon, your background. And then mm -hmm. let's pick up on the uh, the longest, uh, no, it's not, it's the shortest devotion bit that I, I've ever written, as I mentioned to you. So there you go, mm -hmm. over to you. Yes, yeah, so I live in uh, Northamptonshire with my wife, uh, Tracy. And our two dogs, uh, we've got two miniature Dachshunds, which uh, I might bore you with a bit later. Yes, please. Um, and uh, I've been with cinema about five years now, I think. I really? Think it's about five years. Yeah, quite a long time. Gosh. Um, yeah. And so I work with cinema for two days of the week. And when I'm not doing that, I call myself a digital strategist. And I run my own company. What I try to do is help entrepreneurs and small businesses um, work out what their plan is uh, as a business and how technology can help them get there. Wow. Often that involves websites and emails and messages and ways of communicating and all of that kind of good stuff. So you help people to navigate digital uh, uh, solutions okay yeah or, or actually you're more about communications and digital is the vehicle yes okay cool 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 because of course yeah that's how we we our friendship has has blossomed because of all other wonderful <laughs> things that we do with uh marketing and, and stuff like that and then and then you do um uh churchy things what is what is that because i i hear bits and pieces of it and i you know for people this will be brand new but for me it will be more of a uh and unpacking a package. Yep. Tell us yep. more about that. What does that look like? Yeah, that's uh, that's a strange one. Um, uh, it was, I think, three or so years ago that I um, actually rejoined a church I had left, shockingly enough. Um, that was brave. I know. And I'd remained in contact with a number of people who were part of that church. And I'm going to bore you with the details as to kind of why um, I changed in the first place, why I moved on. I mean, uh, but the the church was planning to start a mission or community. Okay. And um, I discussed um, with my current church how we could better connect with our community, uh, how we could um, be better listeners, how we could work out, you know, where we fitted within the life of our community and that didn't resonate at all with the, the leadership of the church I was part of. I'd started a food bank, um, a community cafe. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing the thing that kind of led me to realising that maybe it was time to look elsewhere was when um, I was asked the question, how many people have come to church through the food bank and the community cafe? And uh, the throwaway comment was, well, we can't see this much evidence of people coming to church through the cafe. Yeah. So maybe we should shut it down. <laughs> and um, Crazy. I kind of was really hard. That was at that time, there was a, a very big difference of direction in terms of view of what the church um, was called to do. Yeah. And then I had my work with cinnamon, which was all about advising churches, how to connect with the community and to listen well and to, find out where God is at work in the community. And, and you know, the, the, the kind of question that got me on the path of Cinnamon was um, where is the church having a tangible, visible effect on those around it? You know, where where the life of the church, it literally, we can see the kingdom of heaven transforming the community around it. Yeah. And I'm a part of this church that really didn't see it the same way or saw the way to doing that very differently. Yeah. Um, so I, I joined the, um, the church who was forming this missional community and um, was at the time looking at, you know, look, what is, what is discipleship? You know, what's, what's the way in which Jesus did it? Uh, what does that look like in today's society um, as we work out to try to live life in the way that God would have us uh, do it? Because I wasn't, I'd come to a point where I really didn't see that in the church that I was part of and, and probably hadn't seen it for quite a while in the churches that I'd had contact with or been part of. And so that was my, I felt that that was a, the right thing to do. And so I, I became part of this initial community in, uh, in the town that I live in. I mean, this is really interesting because I, I was part of a congregation 
they had run a, a toddler group for about 20 years. And then there was a moment in the church leadership of which I was part of where they asked the question, we're not seeing anybody joining our church because of this toddler group. And yet you ask the community, which church do you affiliate towards? And they would say this church. Unfortunately, leadership decided to close it. And that for me was one of the, the, the nails in the coffin for me saying, well, okay, maybe I'm, I'm called to different, different, you know, different shores. And the reason why I'd been involved and had the, let's say, the optics of saying, hold on, the kingdom of God is not about the club. The kingdom of God is not about the number of people turn up at church. It's about how they're being transformed and influenced by the love of Christ and how, and how they are and how it's impacting their worlds. Because I'd been doing stuff with YMCA and I'd been involved in uh, uh, outreachy programs for, for, for years and years. I mean, probably about 10 years or so prior to this decision was made. And it was, it was almost like it was a, uh, it was, it was a bit like the old world versus the new world, you know, and it really, really hard, really, really well. And unfortunately, this is something that, uh, you know, we, you and I encounter and hear very similar stories about this with different churches that we work with across the, the country, where you've got people who are burning to see, uh, um, see the kingdom of God impacting and seeing that these projects have, um, you know, that they're a stepping stone to building relationships. But my, my a question I've got out of out of what you've just shared, which is fascinating, is what was it that led you to to move from the old world to the new world thinking? Yeah, I guess um, I guess it was, you know, I I was keen. Or I've always kind of been about, well, you know, when are we going to do this stuff? You know, yeah. we come, we we come to church. We have, you know, and I've been so blessed over the years. You know, I, the, some of my best um, times of my life have been in or around church, and yeah. I've been so fortunate to have been part of some amazing churches. Mm-hmm. But there seemed to be this culture of um, that teaching is the answer to all things, and, yeah. and don't get me wrong, there's absolutely a place for teaching. But at no point did there seem to be a place of actually doing the stuff together, as in, yeah. you know, I'm going to let's actually do the stuff we're talking about uh, intentionally, or let me show you how to do the stuff. Yeah. And um, week in, week out, you come, you hear a great sermon, go away, you know, talk about it. But at no point do we actually do the stuff. And, and it got to a point where I was like, this is, great stuff great message but it, it's not got any legs it's not actually being put into practice or it's not being demonstrated and then i compared that and started to look for um you know i wanted to read and learn more about um how, how jesus discipled and mm-hmm. and how that might translate to today because when we read about jesus we look at the way that he spent a lot of his time in people's homes um i know there's big cultural differences of course between us and um and uh, in the west and modern society and then but it was yeah. all about spending time together um uh, going uh, and actually being with those you weren't necessarily comfortable with but um a very different cultural lifestyle and so i didn't really see that you know i saw unfortunately a lot of superficiality in relationships in church whereby you know, you turn up, they're pleased, people are pleased to see you, you know, you, you, you're chatting, you're having a nice time. And then a week would go by and you wouldn't hear from anybody. Um, and then you'd come back, having a great meeting again together, go away. But at no point did the lives actually touch together. And um, and this, you know, wasn't for the lack of trying to reach out to people, but it just seemed people were busy. Um, and therefore, church's entity was really about meeting together and little else. Yes. And I thought this can't be the way that it was supposed to be, and I began that journey of looking and uh, and looking at different ways in which modern churches around the world were living um, a much closer relational life as part of the fabric of their church, not yes. based around um, just meeting structures and busyness around church activities. Mm. That's fascinating. So. 
So essentially, what, what, what you're saying is, is that the, the carnival, the show that the church does, whether it be singing and preaching and praying and doing the handshakes and you sit down here and the kids do stuff over there and uh, we do youth club and so on and so forth, it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. Uh, I don't know about you. Um, obviously, obviously to, to a lot of our listeners, they won't know this. We as a team, we, we reassembled for the first time at Cinnamon after 18 months being apart. And we, we obviously, you and I know this, but to everyone else listening, we, we still connected on Zoom and still did team meetings on a pretty regular basis. And mm. uh, I remember um, when we were as, as advisors, there was that moment when we all sat together was it the beginning of the year or last or the end of last year where we just said, how are you doing? Mm, how yeah. are you doing? And then everybody that, you know, from, and, and, you know, to, 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 to our trustees, to our, our leaders, to every single one of us have all said, I've really struggled. I've really struggled. And then, and for me, that was wonderful because it was a place of, you know, I'm prepared to be vulnerable. I'm not, I'm not going to give you a fake self or a, yeah. uh, uh, I'm going to tell you where I'm at. What yeah. was the thing that we had our, our, our gathering only last week, actually, mm, Yeah. after 18 months, which sounds ridiculous. What were the, your takeaways and the things that stood out whilst we were there at the weekend? Well, I... Uh, love about being part of cinnamon is is the relational aspect of um you know it's not just like a courtesy oh how are you doing how are you doing right let's get down to business yeah it's almost the other way around you know entirely which is actually it's all about relationship and that was the theme of our time away we we spent some time didn't we uh, kind of looking at um you know who we are what our values are what yeah. we believe is really important as we go forward and uh, pretty much across the groups the the real theme that came out was relationship and that typifies the way we are you know it's like we get together and it's actually the first priority is is how are you doing you know let's not just let's not actually try and do too much in fact let's actually make sure we do uh you know the right amount and don't let's let's not create targets and uh, a culture where we're we're actually striving to achieve something where we're going to burn one another out yeah. And this isn't just because of lockdown. This is the way we've been now for um, for many years is striving to be uh, caring and relationships uh, within the team. Uh, and, and I love that because, you know, there's a lot of stress in life. There's a lot of, you know, pressure from other areas of life. But work-wise, it's let's look at playing to each other's strengths and, and how do we support one another in that. So, you know, that, that's the thing that really stuck out to me and uh, was a real blessing just to be able to come away, relax. Yes, we do a bit of business together, but mainly it's just let's let's re, re, um, you know let's catch up, let's uh, refocus, let's uh, find out how, how each other are doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had it. So we 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 went away to uh, the greenhouse. I think it's called, isn't it? Just southwest mm. of of Birmingham, which was just an incredible venue um, and. I think what was hilarious was was the constant having to stoke the bonfire, yes, the little fire in, in the uh, in the meeting area, which which is really interesting as a metaphor of actually relationships that mm. we have you have to keep working at it. Um, so you know, thinking just retrospectively about this devotion, where you know the two words "Our Father" are, are you know starting of the Lord's Prayer. Or I like to prefer to call it the disciples' prayer because the Lord doesn't say it, the disciples say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just you know, reflecting on on the things that I I wrote and, and mentioned previous to to this discussion about the word "our," it's not my but "our," so it's something we we share. And the word "father," and then Jesus obviously talks about you know, if you want to see the Father, you just you see me, or rather, if you see the, see me, you see the Father. The, the word father is really interesting because in a healthy father-child relationship, it should be one of nurturing and caring. What's been your experience of that in in parenting? 
both as a as in a normal way but also in how god has parented you so i don't know whether i've shared you uh, with the, this with you before matt but um my uh my father died when i was 12 I um wow. and uh i was at my um uh, school at the, as it was at then yeah. and uh one of the teachers came into the room and asked me to come up to the mess, uh, headmaster's office which is never never a good sign is it i mean oh. you don't get some of the head of head office headmaster's office for for anything good do you well maybe there's exceptions out there but um generally it's not good and when I got into the room, there was my um, one of my neighbours' mums, and uh, and they told me what had happened. And uh, wow. he'd been killed in a road accident on the way to work. He oh. was cycling to work, um, and uh, he'd cycled into a lorry. Uh, I don't know exactly how that had happened, but he he was killed instantaneously on the side of the road. Um, he so was sorry. thirty-four at the time, Goodness. and I was twelve. Goodness me! And um, but the way that what had happened the previous year was uh, I had been invited to go to a uh, a Bible club uh, huh. by a friend of mine, uh, my best friend at school, Chris. Mm. And uh, that was my first experience of going to church when I was 11 years old. Wow. And so um, I, I won't bore you with all the details, but basically after I think it was about three to six months somebody actually explained to me what a Christian was. <laughs> I was, I was uh, you know, how it is, uh, you know, trying to get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I was hooked pretty much from the moment I came because the, the people were amazing. You know, the, the, the families that were there um, just took you in. Uh, Sundays were, were going into, going to church, going back to somebody's house for lunch afterwards, going to somebody else's house in the afternoon, going back to church in the evening. You know, I just wanted to be around people, um, around these people. Anyway, I I became a Christian um, at my grandmother's house the week after this Bible club down in uh, Minehead. Oh, and yeah. I got out the little book from my uh, week away and read through it and got to the back of the book. And there was an appeal at the week away, but I decided I thought I'll think about it. Very good. So I didn't, didn't make a decision there yep. and then. Absolutely. Considered. Um, yeah, so I considered. I prayed prayed the prayer in the back of the book uh, on a sunny Saturday morning. And the moment I prayed, I knew that it was all true. I just mm. had such an encounter with God. And I went downstairs and told my parents I'd become a Christian. Wow. And so... That week following my dad's death, uh, I remember being looked after by my uh, at my neighbour's house. Um, I, I can't remember the details. Obviously, mum was grieving, mum was struggling with everything. Yeah, but I remember the presence of God being so amazingly tangible, uh, and I just felt such a peace uh, uh, the whole time, mm. uh, being comforted by 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 my father, my our father. Yeah, and. Uh, so that was the journey. That was my start of my journey of uh, Christianity. Goodness gracious! No, I didn't know that. That is, that's extraordinary. I, I'm my dad's mum died, not father, but I, I understand the impact that that has when you have a parent that dies. It is, it, it, it you know, it's not a light thing. It, it, it marks you. It, it, I wouldn't say it haunts you, but you carry it around. You know, I, I, I remember someone talking to me that. Um, I mentioned something uh, about the widows and orphans. And this old lady came up to me. She was old. She's older than me. So anyone older than me is old. <laughs> <laughs> um, she said, Matt, I'm an orphan. I said, well, your parents died because they were, they were very, very old. But she said, but I'm still an orphan. I don't have parents that parent me. I, I am. And so what you're saying is, what's carried you through and interestingly has then projected into way towards your missional community was relationship. I lost you there for about five seconds, Matt. That's all right. Say, um, so saying what I was saying was. Yeah. So, so what, what you have, what you experienced when you joined that little club 
that little kid's Bible Sunday school or whatever it was, or Wednesdays or whatever day it was. And the thing that you, before you made that prayer, which is a, is a, a, a bizarre construct that we know it's about relationship, but it helps us to, to, to get to that point of understanding what we're entering into, into a relationship. It was that, it was this intense understanding of relationship, a sense of belonging, a sense of accepting, a sense of safety, a sense of I've, uh, everything's okay and mm. I'm accepted for who I am. Mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And I think maybe that's perhaps why Jesus started the prayer. It's just say mm-hmm. you're part of a family and that you're accepted uh, and, and that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever is, you know, your earthly parenting or your tribe that you've been brought up in, um, you're part of a bigger tribe and a much more mm-hmm. profound tribe. Absolutely. That was very much part of my kind of early church experience was we would, uh, as a church youth group, we socialize a lot with um, other youth groups. Yeah. Uh, and so we, when we went on to like do other kind of um, away days and holidays, we would be meeting up with other church youth groups yeah. uh, that we had connections with. And it was just, you know, immediately you sit down and you kind of worship or you pray there was this sense of oneness of, hey, we're believers as well. We're all sons and daughters of the living God. Yeah. And, and, you know, you had that instant connection of, of hey, we're, we're, we're in one family here. And, uh, and that was amazing to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm quite conscious that there's something lost there in today's church. And I mean, not just between, not just within the church, but actually between churches that we've, I think we've forgotten that we are under and part of uh, this family where we worship this one God, that we are connected in a way that is actually, you know, quite incredible. Uh, You know, we're both loved by this amazing father. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I, um, for a while, I've been thinking about um, uh, how how churches interact with one another. Uh, what is their relationship? What's the commonalities? What's what makes them distinctly different, etc. I do think it's really down to um, it's a bit like how different houses decide to have dinner at five o'clock or six o'clock, and some 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 households like to have fish and chips on Friday, and some prefer to have pizza. They still have to gather and assemble and eat together. There are some families that don't eat together and they don't function very well. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, and then you've got some families where the, their parents are so exhausted that they just like to watch TV and have the kids sit around and there is no relationship and they don't function. And I think relationship and friendship is such an important thing here, which, you know, as, as you know, I, I never plan for these conversations, but I always just trust God just to reveal uh, what he's doing and, and, and in these, these chats. And I have not thought about this as, as much. There's a thing that I'm, I've been developing, which I think um, I'll share it because I think it's got some legs. Go for it. Um, I have, um, as, as, as people will chuckle, I've, I've been very much influenced by Ed Sorboso's book, Ecclesia. Um, yes, I did say that word, Ecclesia. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been also vastly influenced by the ministry that's called, I think it's called Big Life by the Baptists, where essentially they, they go out to communities, meet the needs of, of, meet their needs in different ways, in practical ways. And then they, some people ask, well, why do you do this? And then they say, well, it's because we just want to love you because God loves you. And, and then they start little missional communities there, etc. And um, I'm also mindful that when we learn things, and I've mentioned it before, that uh, we learn quicker when it's in a fair and fun environment. Um, I'm also mindful that in the church institution, because of its legal obligations and so on and so forth, it's, it's kind of knotted itself up to be not as fluid as it should be. 
Uh, and from that book called New Power, which, which I think I've mentioned, which is all about taking the power away from the institution, putting the power back into the, into the crowd. It's a bit like mm -hmm. me saying, I gave you the power of the church. I've let you had a go. You kind of mucked it up. I'm taking it back and I'm going to work out another way to do it with, 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 my, with my folk. Mm -hmm. It's not actually rejecting the church in many senses is actually taking personal responsibility so that when I turn up into church settings, I'm mm. more present and I bring more, more yes. value to, to the table, so to speak. So anyway, we've got this thing called, called table. Yeah, so Chris Mitten mentioned it in a previous podcast called Table. And I was like, yeah, that's interesting. And I then wanted to unpack a wee bit more what that meant. And essentially, it's missional communities that gather around a table, they eat together, you know, a couple of families, neighbours, and so on and so forth. And it's just a place to belong. It's creating intentional mm. community. Um, and I, I started to unravel it a wee bit more and thinking, well, how do you amplify that and increase its impact? And I, and I came for the point where you, you need a corset of agreed values, uh, which then feed into three core components within, um, within a table. So the values, you know, they are, it's inclusion, it's, it's promoting shalom, it's kindness, um, it's grace, it's mercy, and so on and so forth, et cetera. And people can tweet me if they wanted to see the, um, uh, uh, the actual um, model. But those values feed into this um, intergenerational um, metaphorical table where it has three components. One is obviously its community. So we, you know, it's it's multi-generational, it's it's community, it's from it's not a them and us, the kids are over there have to be quiet, the old people will have coffees. It's it's very much we learn together. Mm. The, the second element is spirituality. What 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 does what does God look like in in and what does spirituality look like in our communities when I'm at school or in the workplace? And then the third component is needs. So, which, which really is asking the question, well, how are you doing? What's, what's, what's your challenges at the moment? Sometimes it might be work. Sometimes it might be something to do in the house. It might be that some people just want to hang out and have a bit of fun. Who cares? It doesn't matter. As long as those three components are key, a healthy community of ecosystem happens where, where people start to belong, they start to thrive, they start to see Christ amongst us with us or rather we're with christ which is actually the, the correct wording because christ doesn't disappear we just disappear <laughs> we drift he doesn't um and so what does that look like then in your missional community that you're part of in mm. in, in reflection of that very vague model that i've just shared so yeah so uh, we we have uh we have two main gatherings uh One's called the banquet table. Come on. And, uh, one's called the dinner table. And so the idea between, behind the banquet table is, and this, this we don't do this, uh, we haven't been doing this for a while now because of lockdown and, uh, and, uh, and the like. But banquet table was meeting in a pub, uh, yeah. 10 a.m. Wow. And we would have a informal time of uh, prayer and praise and sharing testimony. And then um, and teas and coffees were on foot on tap. Yep. And uh, at 12 o'clock, uh, we put out all the shared lunch on the pool table. So mm. it was a kind of bring and share every Sunday um, and gather, talk, catch up. Um, and then people would usually stick around till about one o'clock. The pub actually opened at 12. Brilliant. So we'd actually have people kind of, we would have the pub without ourselves from 10 o'clock. And yeah, people would come in. Uh, we got to know a number of the regulars and obviously the bar staff. And actually the landlord and landlady uh, became part of the church. Wow. And uh, yeah, they actually became part of the church. Um, good friend of mine, Nick, uh, he's baptised. He was um, uh, shortly afterwards. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah. And so that, that was our life for Sunday. Sundays were meeting together to eat together every Sunday and in this very informal setting. And it was called the banquet um, table that you ate, table. which you, yeah. which you, you ate food on a pool table. Yeah. Come yeah. on. <laughs> you can make it up. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't make this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so that was the kind of Sunday kind of gathering uh, that was. And um, and then uh, that kind of what happened was the actual uh, the pub went into administration. It, the, the guy went out of business. Oh. Um, so that then moved into homes. Yeah. Uh, so we actually, um, because of the size, we'd grown from around about, I don't know, 20 or so people to around about 50 people. Wow. And so we had to meet across two homes, uh, which was not ideal, actually. No, um, it was difficult to manage that uh, transition of people being in two groups and uh, to to manage that in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, the din- dinner table was, I, I guess, akin to a home group, but the focus was tr- trying to be a relation, you know, that you were effectively caring for one another, yeah. uh, nurture it, being a place of nurture around the home. And again, we would eat together, so we'd gather at sort of, Around about um, six, seven o'clock, yeah. we would all have, we'd have a meal together, um, and uh, we would take it in terms just to bringing different things, and we would spend the time together in the evening. Uh, you know, that would be the kind of set point in the diary in terms of meeting together. So that that's what church looked like, um, kind of pre-pandemic. A lot of course, pandemic kind of put a stop to a lot of those types of activities um, and those mm. meetings for quite a long time. So how have you how 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 is it now starting to manifest itself now that we've come out of a, a a form of lockdown, we had the rule of six and so forth. What's it now looking like, and what does bearing on we're in now in a season of survival, as we like to call mm-hmm. it? Um, what does it now look like post? You know what what it was then, and what does it look like now? Well, I guess I, I'm a bit. It's a bit sad to report, really, that it had. It really did decimate um, the community yep. uh, because of the fact we effectively could not gather to eat together uh, in the uh, uh, you know the once a week. Uh, we weren't we couldn't meet in homes. Uh, we couldn't uh, sit around the table together. Um, and one of the main factors was that were quite a percentage of the people who could not do Zoom, okay. uh, either okay. because they had worked all day on. Yep front of the computer and they were exhausted by it or they just couldn't abide it and they just yeah. you know couldn't get the technology to work they just couldn't you know looking at a tiny phone screen um you know just hated it and so a lot of people didn't attend kind of the replacement zoom events yeah and that meant a lot of disconnection uh, between it between people yeah. and um that was such a prolonged period of time and then to come back together again, people had almost changed their pattern of what they would what they would, what they would get involved in and the timing of things. And also, we had a lot of the leaders, um, a good percentage of the leaders, were exhausted. Yeah, um, you know, and really, what you know, one of the guys on the team's a doctor, and you can imagine how immensely busy uh, they are. Another one was a teacher. Yeah, and again, they just flat absolutely out. flat out and worn out yeah. and doing so much work late into the evening that to actually then find a moment to help lead a missional community was just not going to happen. So right now, things are not particularly in a good place. Mm. And um, it's, it's a almost kind of a difficult decision as to, to where, where to go. But I mean, I still believe that it's the right model it in is. terms of... Aiming to be authentically relational and um, and supportive, and there's been some amazing testimonies, amazing stories of people kind of starting a faith journey, you know, mm-hmm. coming coming to a, a really firm place in their in their belief, mm-hmm. and um, and so um, you know, vibrant and uh, enthusiastic about Jesus, which is amazing. Uh, my my wife Verity, um, um, who does a lot of studying around mental health and social cohesion and well-being and and spirituality um she uh she's doing a thing on uh, uh does these stories called deep talk sounds ridiculous and I, deep talk um <laughs> uh, but basically they it's she does a story that that usually is connected to a parable and then invites the people who are listening to then say what they liked about the story and how they would change the story and then they and then she stopped and then, and then she stops it again and then and she does it in a sand pit and does different characters etc 
uh, and then she says, okay, now it's time of community play. And she then invites the, the people around listening to the story to then say, what kind of story would you like to take? And what, what kind of world are you? And then people start to share stories that is almost like it's them, but it's not them. It's like this one degree, you know, separation, but it reveals amazing stuff. And, and she uses a phrase which I, I, I love, which is, um, and one which I, I think we all go through, is this order, disorder, and reorder. And we're in this scenario where, because you're not, you, you, your story is not a, a, a unique story in a sense of we've come out of pandemic and our churches are going, uh, you know, <laughs> everybody is going through this, not sure what's happening here. <laughs> I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Um, the news doesn't give us much hope and all sorts. Yeah. Um, I think this thing of value and vision that then reveals to mission is so important. Mm. But, I, mm. but I think also something that you shared about this uh, and what you're doing is... Um, Everybody has a, has, a, has a voice and every, everyone brings something to the table mm. of value that we want to celebrate, share, learn, work with, nurture and cultivate. And I think that is, personally, I think that's what the, fan, the new tribe, the new movement, the new world needs to look like, is, is utilising more of the we rather than the few. More yes. of, more, because... I don't know about you, but I'm sick to death of leaders thinking they're the answer to the question. It's stupid. It's just you, they, they don't have enough hours in the day. <laughs> they just don't. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's that, I think, is one of the biggest challenges facing the church. I, I don't mean that the challenge is the leader's challenge, but the challenge of culture is because we're all responsible for this culture that's been created. One of the core values we have is about creating space. And the way we do that is we actually try to ensure that the we have the minimum amount of preparation required so if we're doing a worship session we won't kind of expect the leader to have done you know the three-hour band practice and you know the song selections and uh, all of the prep uh, mm. we'll say look if you've if you've not had time because you, you know you've had a busy work week is just come with a book we'll pick some songs if yeah. you don't know the tune, then or whatever, we'll just we'll sing them, or we'll Google and we'll we'll pull up the words and the the music and we'll sing to that. Yeah, you know, because we don't want to add a whole burden of activity in terms of organising to do church. You know, to yeah. do church, all we need to do is turn up. If you haven't got any food or haven't had time, that's fine. Don't don't worry. Somebody else will have brought some food. You know, it's it doesn't matter mm. as much as. Uh, being able to be present and to contribute so it's kind of how does leadership facilitate um, that space where people can actually be relational and contribute and, but also provide a level of order in terms of you know vision and giftings and this is one of the this is one of the biggest challenges I think is how do you recognize and help people People develop their giftings in, yeah. in a very traditional kind of church context we'd be like you know okay that there's a teacher here you know look great okay how are we going to help that person to teach mm. we've almost got to go down to this isn't about a platform we're creating for you to, to teach although that is important yeah it's actually yeah. how do you bring that gifting to everywhere you go yeah. you know and, and whoever you meet with how, how does that what does that look like you know how, how does that evolve into the life of the community yeah yeah um, yeah so i think that 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 challenge of going from consumer church where with the best will in the world you still hear the phrase yeah i'm not sure i don't i didn't get much out of the service today yeah to i i brought what little i had and 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 i was really blessed because i was able to bless somebody else i was able to pray with somebody else i was able to you know, just spend a bit of time to listen to somebody else um, yeah. today. Yeah. And, and that is a big challenge. Uh, and I think we underestimate what a big challenge that is, especially for 
you know, me, I've been a part of church for 30 years and that has been my church experience. And I, it takes a conscious effort to say, I need time before I get together with my, my church family yeah. to listen to God for what I might bring today, what I might share with somebody. If I'm not actually standing up at the front, am I in, is my heart in the right place to go with an attitude of giving and sharing and contributing or is it one that's worn out and hoping that it's going to be a good message today and um, that I might be uplifted yeah I'm I'm very mindful that um, there are people on on a pilgrimage everyone's on a pilgrimage whether or not they've and a pilgrimage is just a, a religious word for saying on a walk on a journey isn't it uh, so irrespective of whether or not people say that they're spiritual or not, they're on a journey of, of discovering. And uh, I'm very mindful that having, having experienced the presence and glory of God in different denominations, you know, we, we heard uh, from Andrew Rogers just how God reveals his wonderful love and presence in a Catholic setting and also in a charismatic setting and also in a, pro a Protestant setting and in multi-denominations. God, God reveals himself in very different ways. And how we approach God also can either be very loud or very quiet or at the start of the day or during throughout the day, etc. I think for me, the balance, so the, the part of the challenge I'm, I'm trying to just consider what you're saying is would we put that question to a 12-year-old Nick when he was only just joining the group at Bible study, say, hey, and what's your giftings? It's <laughs> like, totally not right. It's the wrong question. Uh, I think I think maybe, maybe just for me reflecting on this is, is asking the question to what are two people, where are you at? Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, what is your relationship with God? Um, do you know that you have a role in this world? Uh, are you here? Are we in a moment where church is a place of, of a surgery, a hospital? Mm. Or is it a place of fueling you to be sent out to the mission field? Or is it just a place just to have rest because life is so exhausting? Um, because you're a teacher or a work in the, the medical industry or the care industry, et cetera, or even the business industry with the financial sector going a bit loopity loop. Um, people are tired. I think I think the word shalom is a word that we we need to unpack more on of wellness and wholeness. Uh, and but also, like you say, moving away from a consumer culture. Because sometimes we do need to, to rest. I know Sundays we call it the day of rest, but then, you know, and there's been lots of books like from like John Mark Comer about the the necessity that we need to raise the necessity mm. of, of of not hurrying as much. Mm. Which which is really interesting. Uh, that, uh, that, that I think is the biggest challenge I think facing church is how do you do less? Uh, and still do the will of God, you yeah. know, when you've got big vision and, and uh, you, 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 you know, you're feeling inspired where you've also got a lot of people who are uh, tired and have disconnected and uh, have stopped volunteering and they really don't want to go back to filling up the schedule again. How do you do less? And I think that looks like um, this back to this narrative of, you know, how do you journey together? Yeah, you know, so uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to um, run my own business and also do my cinema work from my home, and we're we're given pretty good liberty in terms of the way we work and the time we way we use our time. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I've been able to invite a couple of the members of my uh, dinner table out for me, out with me for the day to go and work. Do you know? I, I said to one of the guys, uh, Steve. Um, do you want to come with me? I'm going to go to this, uh, go to this, meet some church leaders. Uh, we can spend a bit of time together, have a yeah. coffee, you know, and we're going to just, we're going to go and chat some people. Yeah. And um, he still talks about that day now about going out 
uh, he, you know, we met with a whole group of different leaders from all over the country. Uh, and he felt like he was the newbie, why am I here kind of thing. <laughs> but a couple of the guys just spoke to him and just lifted him up, you know, said such so, so encouragement to him. He's like, he was blown away by that. But the fact that we're actually just able to spend a bit of time together um, was like, this is where you create relationship. Yeah. I don't believe you can create or develop relationship in a meeting. Yeah. You have to kind of go back outside the meeting to the, to the real world yeah. where you're actually seeing each other in the real context. You know, when you're driving, are you driving fast, slow, are you getting angry when people are cutting you up? You know, you need to actually do a bit of life, real life together. Yeah. And as Christians, we're really poor at that as to can we just do some life together? And I, I, I don't think it's difficult, though. I think it's actually really simple. I agree. It's as simple as saying, I need to do some decorating in my house. Would anyone like to come and help me? Or, you know, and I said this to my guys is when you're doing stuff like that, when you could be gardening or DIY or whatever, just invite someone else to come and help you. Mm. Then you'll spend some time together. Then your church family will actually spend time with your family. You know, that, yeah. that son, daughter, partner who isn't yeah. interested in church, they'll actually meet other Christians yeah. who can have a better and a bigger influence on their life than you possibly ever can. Yes. And I think it's as simple as just choosing to do life together in the busyness. And, and somehow you have to deconstruct church to make those spaces available. I love that. And the reality is, as per what Ecclesia is, where two or three are gathered together in my name, that's a church. It's not the institution. And if we think it's the institution, we've been duped. <laughs> we've been duped. It's got nothing to do with the buildings. It's about the relationships and in the intentional God amongst us, God yes. with us and God through us. That's that. right. And I think some of my most um, kind of closest relationships with church is where that has happened, you know, where um, I've actually chosen to, you know, and it is inconvenient, absolutely, because you have to cho choose to do less yourself. You have to reprioritize what you want to do. Yeah. Say, no, it's important. I need to go and spend some time with Luke, you know, and, um, and help him because he's really struggling at the moment. And, yeah. you know, that relationship has developed and grown now to the point where this young man looks at me and thinks of me as like a father figure now yeah and i'm not bigging myself up i don't think i'm particularly great in that respect but you know that's because i gave him time and it was outside of a meeting and it was actually some you know authentic uh time together to to just be there and support and listen to him yeah so none of this is rocket science but it's less it's smaller it's it's very different but i think that's what discipleship looks like it looks like unfortunately it's one-to-one -one. it's not a message to 50 people or 100 people in a room i don't think yeah. that's discipleship i think discipleship is it is literally one-to-one -one. so when it when that question comes who are you discipling i think it's the who is it you're putting your life into and i don't think it's i think for most christians it's one person it's not three or five or ten it's literally i could literally disciple one person and they may not even know that they're discipling and the person who's being discipled might not even know they're being discipled but they're being cared for they're being guided they're being listened to they're being prayed for and they're being supported and i think that's what good discipleship looks like my mate greg would be laughing about this when he hear this because that is exactly what it's all about it's not about the singing songs and just investing in people's lives being life together yes Nick Amos, you're a very spiritual person very good that's the that's the challenge i think for <laughs> leaders the challenge is for leaders is when they're asked the question who are you discipling it's which one or two or maximum three people are you putting your life into on a regular basis who are you showing what it's like to walk and to be a christian when no one else is looking because the answer is not your congregation. It literally is those one or two people you're showing how to be Jesus. I love that.
I love that. Yeah, that's a real beautiful challenge because it basically crashes the institution. It says, nope, your, uh, uh, your system's not working. Look at the results. But what you're talking about, my goodness me. Mate, that's beautiful. It, you know, it, it's, it's creating intentional salt. It's in creating intentional yeast. It's in creating intentional light. But it's not out of, well, it's all about me. It's all about... It's all about blessing the other it's a it's a gift it's a i want you to be everything that you can be how can i be the support and encouragement it's being the paracletus which obviously is the holy spirit which is coaching it's yeah very good very good look at you love it <laughs> well, look, it's you know you, you have to get it wrong a lot of times before you get to <laughs> you eliminate all the things you do wrong and eventually you might Come across one right, and, and this is not an easy journey. The, the challenge with this is actually, you will find people who you think want to be discipled, yeah, and you'll do this and find out they actually don't want to be discipled. They're actually not in a place ready to learn, ready to listen, to be guided. They don't want that. They want to turn up, to sing the great songs, to stay at a superficial level to smile and to enjoy the joy the, the blessing time together but you don't want to do life together and that that is a challenge um and you're right but then but then I, I, I the next thought is there is different types of relationships and there's different yeah. types of discipleship so there may yeah. be some people who are not interested in a form of discipleship but actually for me to give them the space to me just to listen to them yeah. I'm modeling compassion, which actually, very good. hopefully, they themselves will start to think, well, maybe that's something I need to start thinking about with others. You know, do unto others what you want. Yeah. To, um, what you, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this doesn't necessarily translate um, in terms of always, in terms of youth and people of different stages in their walk. You know, sometimes, you know, when I was a youngster, being a part of that uh, group um, around the table with the other youngsters. And a youth club was amazing. Yeah. You know, that was uh, to, to just, even though you were with a group of people, that, that leader was modeling Jesus for me yeah. um, and for all of us in so many ways. So it's not always the case, but it is about, it is about can you see the other person's life? Can you see the authentic person when you're with them? Yeah. And what does that look like? And for me as a youngster, it was in the other people's homes. You know, it was in my youth leader's home. You know, it was being able to go into the home and to see them in their own context when they got home from a you know, hard day's work, uh, you know, and, and all of that. Yeah. That's yeah. what was the most impactful for me. Yes. When yes. I was at the very start of my walk and remains to me today is when you see somebody authentically and you get to know them as they truly are. Yeah. Uh, that that's when they have the most freedom to speak into my life in that sense of, of you know they, they, those are the people who have had the most impact on me that's so good that's so good that is so helpful um that's so helpful nick amos really really helpful thank you Appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. I was uh, I was no idea what we we're going to talk about this morning, and uh, thinking how we're going to fill an hour of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh goodness me! I, you know, I do you know that I I go with the assumption with my friends and people that I know, there's gold to be found. You just got to prod it. You just got to dig a wee bit and and see what happens. And mate, you've shared some amazing gems. Really, really good. So. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for facilitating the space and uh, keep up the uh, amazing work with the podcast. I will. I will. Bless you. Bless you. Take care. Well, I just want to say thank you for joining us today on this podcast and uh, for any references that were made throughout, be it groups or books or whatever. Um, do come and visit us on seasoned4.life and there we'll also have other details about all the other podcasts that we have done and will be doing also. 
Take care and we'll catch up soon.